Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. And then we have this funny feeling inside of ourselves by saying this, well, if God made the husband and wife to enjoy each other's body, why did he make us so different sexually? Why are we so different? You see, when men and women look at the areas of love, sex, and romance, they come from very different perspectives. If you've been married one day, you know that. To have true oneness, we must discover what these differences are. Even if you've never read the book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, you've probably heard that phrase at least once. Thousands of books have been written about the differences between women and men, especially when it comes to attitudes about intimacy. Those variations can be exciting at first, but can also lead to complications in relationships. If God desires that married couples thrive in this intimacy, why would he make us so different? In order for husbands and wives to come together, they have to be able to serve and yield to each other. This is an important expression of love and commitment, putting someone else first. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 25, with part one of our message entitled, Remodeling and Rebuilding Your Home. talking on successful marriages. We started last week in the book of Mark. Chapter 10 is where we're at as we're moving through the book of Mark. Jesus detoured us back to the book of Genesis. Turn there, if you will, as we get our fourth point, Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. You remember we started with three areas of commitment, that marriage is not a contract. It's a covenant. You got it. And there's a big difference. First of all, we're to be committed to God and His plan, to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, and to understand His plan for marriage, which is what we're talking about. Secondly, we're to be committed to each other for life. We talked about that, that that word of leaving and cleaving, the the cleaving is that glue word, that bonding word for life. And third, the one we talked about was committed to oneness, that area where Jesus took us back to Genesis and said, the two shall become one. You'll be intertwined together. And that oneness means a companionship for life, a sharing of individuals with great differences the way God made us. We come to the fourth commitment, which is a commitment to intimacy. The fifth commitment would be the committed to growth in your home. Chapter 2, verse 25 says this, And the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Intimacy is heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul, mind-to-mind. When we think of intimacy, especially if you're male, you think of sexual intimacy. That is partly true, but there's relational intimacy, which means that you're you're a friend for life with your spouse. It's not just sexual, there's an intimate part of talking and communicating, which we'll address more. 
this oneness that God made us in friends, where you need each other and they need God. So intimacy is not just sexual, it is relational, and certainly it's spiritual intimacy with God. Sexual intimacy is a gift from God, designed for pleasure within the marriage. Now in our society, whenever you talk on the sexual area, it's difficult. People get quiet, and it's because of lots of reasons. See, but when you mention the word sexuality today, Many people think it shouldn't even be taught in the church. That's wrong. It should be taught in the church. In fact, I'm going to share with you some things. I talked with one of our nurse practitioners who attends this fellowship. She works in an OBGYN office. She was sharing with me this week the tremendous amount of sexuality going on between 11, 12, 13-year-olds, getting pregnant, all kinds of diseases from many Christian homes. You say, well, that can't happen. Well, it is happening. And one of the reasons it happens is because you parents don't have a healthy attitude about sex, and you haven't talked about it in your home, and you haven't brought it up as the Bible teaches it. So we teach it. I believe it needs to be taught in the church in an honorable, holy fashion. And that's why we're teaching it. If it offends some of you, I'm sorry, but the Bible isn't offended by it at all. And we need to get on the ball. So what God designed that was good and perfect. Remember, he said it was what? Good and perfect. What he designed, as always, Satan perverts. God designed love and intimacy. Satan gives us lust and immorality. So when we mention the word sex in a church, people get quiet and nasty or whatever, and they, they just have these funny feelings. But it is not to be that way at all. It's to be pleasurable. Now... Pfizer has made Viagra. You're familiar with the drug, aren't you? This is this drug with the name Viagra that comes from vigor and the immense power of Niagara. It gives you a little visual picture of what's happening. <laughs> it's for sexual problems between male and impotency, many from surgery and of course, we've seen jokes and all kinds of things. People are suing Pfizer because their partner now is running around the neighborhood or whatever. That's not Pfizer's problem. That's lust problem. We have nursing homes with people in wheelchairs. You know, you see the jokes, please don't give any more Viagra to me and whatever. And two people in the wheelchairs running down the aisles. But see, sexuality is a big deal. Pfizer spent $500 million developing this drug. It's about 10 bucks for a 50 milligram pill. That's 14 times more expensive than gold. Since the introduction of this drug, 1.7 million prescriptions. Is sex a byproduct of this country or is it the main product of this country? It's very, very important. Now, Pfizer made Viagra, but God designed within your body, in my body this morning, sexual hormones. He designed it. He built it. He did it right. He gave us sexual hormones that were designed for sexual intimacy. God made your body, your mind, your emotions, and equipped within each of us, and as we have the gift of singleness, a possibility of providing intimacy within marriage. Sex was not Playboy's idea. It was God's idea. And sexual intimacy is to be a shared experience between a husband and a wife, of excitement, 
of pleasure, of satisfaction. It's an area where both spouses, biblically, we'll see, are designed to meet the need of each other. There's two areas I want to talk about quickly this morning as we address this sexuality. They are availability and fidelity. Availability and fidelity. Turn, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, quickly. The Bible is very expressive when it talks about sexuality, doesn't hide it, speaks about it in a, a frank way. So we speak the same. In the area where Paul is writing in Corinth, this city was known for its immorality. It was a pagan city, Corinth was. Sexuality was related to the temple, the pagan temples. If you remember when we studied the book of 1 Corinthians, you would go and pick up a male or a female prostitute at the temple, enjoy the evening with them, and give the money to the temple. That was worshiping God. So into this culture, people became Christians. Paul shared the gospel. So their question basically to Paul was this, well, we know what we used to do sexually. We would get a prostitute, and that was the religion. Well, now you've taught us that that isn't right. Does it mean that sexuality is gone in our marriages now? I mean, is it over? Is there a place for sexuality in the Christian life? And Paul had to address it, and here he addresses in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 3. Here's what he says. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Do not deprive each other except by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So, what Paul says is, no, you, you don't throw sexuality out. It, it started way before this pagan. It started in the garden. Adam and Eve were naked. God made them sexual for reasons. So he says here, basically, you remember we said when a husband and wife come together, they become what? Become one. So as they come together and they're one, it's expressed in many different ways. And one of the ways you express it is sexually. So Paul says here, the husband has the freedom to enjoy his wife and her body. The wife has the freedom to enjoy her husband and his body. Now, interestingly enough, when you see that, let me make a disclaimer. I'm not talking about situations where there's abuse in the home and rape and, and all those kind of things that are forced sex in a home. I'm not talking about any of those things. We're talking about Christian-designed homes. And what it says here is that my body, when Linda and I get married, my body is not my own any longer. By the way, it's not my own spiritually either. It's God's. So I'm going to use it in the right way. So Paul would say to him, you can't join yourself any longer to a prostitute because First Corinthians 6, remember, talked about if you join yourself to a prostitute, the Holy Spirit lives in you. What are you doing? You can't do that. But he says, now your body is your husband's, and your husband's body is yours. And you are to enjoy each other's body. Your body isn't your own. So God goes on, and he, and he shares this principle. And then we have this funny feeling inside of ourselves by saying this. 
Well, if God made the husband and wife to enjoy each other's body, why did he make us so different sexually? Why are we so different? You see, when men and women look at the areas of love, sex, and romance, they come from very different perspectives. If you've been married one day, you know that. To have true oneness, we must discover what these differences are. There's a great book called His Needs and Her Needs. And in this book, a person who had been counseling for many years categorizes the top needs of a man who expects his wife to meet and the top needs for a woman. What I'm going to ask you to do is to write these down this week. I'm only going to give you three of each because we don't have time, just three. And I want you to think about these needs. So when you have your date night this week and those guys that blowed it last night, you didn't have your date, make sure you have a date this week. You're supposed to be the one saying to the spouse, I'm taking you out, we're going out. So when you go out, here's what I want you to discuss, these two different areas, and I'll share more of that with when we go through it. Let's look for the man. What did this person find? Here are the top three priorities a man is hoping his wife is going to meet in his life. Number one, sexual fulfillment. Does that surprise any woman in the congregation? No. Number two, recreational companionship. That means time of enjoying yourself outside, sports, whatever, just being together in some kind of a recreational area that's outside the bedroom. Number three, an attractive spouse, which really has somewhat to do with number two. A man is looking for not a perfect woman because there aren't any. He didn't marry one and he isn't one. So he's looking just for an attractive spouse, keeping yourself in shape, looking good, looking sharp, looking clean just being an attractive spouse. Let's go to a woman. The first need for a woman is affection. By the way, men, affection is not spelled S-E-X. My wife tells me that quite often, so I want to tell you that. Affection and sex are not the same thing. Number two, conversation. Does that surprise any man in this building? Women love to talk. Men just don't listen very well. So some of your homework this week, you can already see what it's going to be in third is honesty and openness. So what I want you to do this week when you're out, I want you to say to your spouse, how am I doing? Are those needs really important in your life? Am I doing this? Notice the differences already. The woman doesn't have sex on her list. I I can go five, six, seven, eight, nine. She doesn't have sex on her list. Number one is men. Does that cause any problems? Well, it causes lots of problems. So as you think about that, you have to start talking. Conversation. Men, are you talking and listening to your spouse? Are you honest? Now, into this little home that God designed for Adam and Eve, he put a card table... And he put two little instruments or appliances on this card table in the home to represent a man and a woman. He put a microwave and he put, I used to call it a crock pot, but my wife tells me to call it a slow cooker. (laughs) So into this little hut that God made, here's Adam. And he is a microwave. Sexually, Does that cause anything to happen in your minds? See, to a man, sexuality, intimacy is pretty uncomplicated. It's pretty simple. Press a few buttons, that's it. 
like a microwave. It turns on very quickly. Very, boom, it's on. Anytime, any place, anywhere. That's the testosterone in the man. That's just it. It's there. Don't be embarrassed. That's what you are. It just happens. As a microwave, when it finishes cooking, you can put your hand right in the microwave because it's what? It's cold and cool down. So when it's quickly over, it's turn on the TV. What else is happening, man? Let's, let's get on with it. <laughs> now the problem is laying beside him is not another microwave. We have the slow cooker. Not the crock pot, the slow, slow cooker. <laughs> you see, when a woman yields her body to her husband, it's a statement of trust and submission. She's looking for tenderness, as you've already seen affection. Also excitement, because the same testosterone is in a man is also in a woman. That's where your sexuality comes from, your desire. Her body, like the slow cooker, unlike the man, is slow to warm up. In fact, if you're a wise husband, you will start warming the body up at the breakfast table, if you expect dessert at night. <laughs> and it comes from affection, not from groping. That's what my wife says, not from groping. It comes from affection. <laughs> it comes from affection. Now, sometimes you have to warm it up on maybe Monday morning for Thursday night. It just, <laughs> or the following Thursday. It just takes time to, you know what I'm talking, to warm up, doesn't it? Now what happens is, with a slow cooker, once it's cooking, it's cooking. <laughs> the problem is the microwave has got cold and turned the TV on. <laughs> now, could God have designed the husband and the wife to be two microwaves? Yeah, different parts, but two microwaves. Or two slow cookers. But he didn't. Why? <laughs> Here's why. So that a husband and a wife could learn to give and love in the sexual area rather than lust and get. You see, the world says, get it when you can and as much as you can. God says, no love and give. So we have a microwave and a crockpot in the bedroom. And God says, if you'll please your spouse sexually, what you're doing is destroying your own selfishness. So my wife and I, as every other young couple, notice, young couple, <laughs> as well as you, when we're naked together, making love, there's nothing more intimate, more transparent, and more loving. Sexual intercourse is saying with your body to your spouse, with every fiber of your being, I love you. I'm committed to you. I want to serve you. Now that's hard because my nature is a microwave and she's a slow cooker. But see, when I understand that and we give and take, then we blend. So she learns to love me for my needs, and I learn to love her for her needs, and we learn to compromise. Is it tough? 
Well, it's tough. But see, that's where we learn. And God knew that. He didn't make us exactly alike. He not only made the parts different, he made the whole machine different. And he did that so we learn to give and to take. Now, in this area, in your home, in the bedroom, for husband and wife, is there agreement, excitement, and fulfillment? Is there agreement, excitement, and fulfillment? Or is there argument, boredom, and disappointment? Argument, boredom, and disappointment. You see, sexuality is not just physical. It is partly physical, but it's also mental, and it's also emotional. That's why the drug Viagra has had such great success. It, it, in many people, it doesn't make any difference physically. But it's the emotional thing is, this is going to do it. And that's all it took. It does do it. But it has nothing to do with the drug. Because much of sex is in the head. Now, what destroys sexual intimacy between a husband and wife? Let me give you three things quickly. Number one, fatigue. We're going so many places, there's just no time to even relax and enjoy our bodies together. That's the physical part, fatigue. The mental part is stress. When there's money problems and job problems and health problems and all those things, we don't do well sexually. Men do okay, but women definitely don't because that's the mental area, stress. The third area is emotional. If you're fighting with your spouse, for man that isn't too difficult, but for woman it's a great problem. Because see, remember I told you a woman is looking for trust and submission. If she's fighting with her husband, husband's been mean and you're angry and you're whatever, the, the guy, as soon as he makes up, you know what he says, don't you? Let's head right to the king-size bed. And she says, well, come on, we've been fighting for four days here. Let's give it a little time. Statement I found yesterday that really spoke to my heart. Here's what it says. Unresolved conflicts always find their way to the bedroom. Unresolved conflicts always find their way to the bedroom. Who wants you to fight in your home? Satan. Unresolved conflicts always fine. Here's another one you can work on homework this week. See if you can better this. Record kiss. Mark and Roberta Griswold of Detroit finished their championship kiss in the Breast Savers Longest Kiss Challenge in New York. The Griswolds beat eight other couples by kissing for 29 hours straight. I don't think so, do you? If you want to challenge and beat that this week, I know you won't be able to talk to me, so just email me or something and we'll see what happens. All right. Now we leave this wonderful intimacy of Adam and Eve. We travel through the book of Deuteronomy all the way to the first books of the Bible. As we've traveled, sin enters the world in Genesis chapter 3. Sin enters the world, and the reason we talk about sexuality and divorce is because much of the sexuality that has gone wrong in our homes ends up in divorce. If it's not talked about, then people don't understand. God gave married couples the gift of sexual intimacy. We heard how that gift is meant to be enjoyed, which can get complicated. Couples were instructed in 1 Corinthians to give their bodies to each other. But as Pastor Mark noted, men and women have different approaches to sex. He outlines some expectations for marriage. Men value sexual fulfillment, while women crave affection. 
So we must learn how to accommodate each other's needs. Pastor Mark covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review. You can listen to today's message again by logging on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Or you can also call us toll free. The number to call is 866-779-3441 to place an order for a CD. Again, that number to call is 866-779-3441. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. That's info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Lessons for Living is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now, be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark broaches the topics of fidelity and divorce within Christian marriages, how the Word deals with those weighty issues. People differ greatly as to what they consider to be grounds for divorce. But what really matters is what God says about it. We will see the great divide between how the world around us views divorce and its opposition to God's desires for marriage. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.